Welcome to today's podcast, Casting Down Idols. This is the podcast where we talk about addictions and recovery from a biblical point of view. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Dixon, and I'm addressing the problem of addictions from my own personal experience, but most importantly, from a biblical perspective. Whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, shopping, gambling, or overeating, or whatever struggle you may be facing, I want you to know there's hope for change. It's my prayer that through this podcast, you'll pick up some tools and encouragement that will enable you to live addiction-free. I've been clean and sober now for 31 years, and you can too. So let's learn, grow, let's encourage one another on this road called recovery. All right, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you've been blessed this past week. And I want to take a minute and thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode in the podcast, Casting Down Idols. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Dixon, and I'm here to share with you some life-changing biblical lessons that can help you on this road called recovery. We've got a wonderful addiction recovery ministry out of the church that I pastor, Oakdale Baptist Church in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. We started this ministry about two and a half years ago. It's entitled Life. L-I-F-E, it stands for living in freedom every day. And I believe that's what the Lord wants for your life. He wants you to live in freedom, not being bound to the enemy or under these various self-destructing addictions that we can be plagued with in our lives. But he came to set the captive free. In fact, Jesus said, it's recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 10 and verse 10, that he came to give life and to give it more abundantly. So the life ministry meets every Tuesday night at Oakdale Baptist Church's facility at 13037 Highway 64 West, right here in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. We begin every Tuesday night at 6.30 with a meal together, time of group study as we look to God's Word and get instruction from Him. And then before we conclude by 9 o'clock each Tuesday night, we have a time of small groups where we just come together and we pray for one another, encourage one another as we strive to help one another on this road of recovery and to stay focused on our Lord. Our lesson this week, was a lesson on how to deal with our emotions. And man, I thought there's no more practical lesson uh, than this because we all have emotions and from time to time we struggle with those emotions. And so we're going to be talking about that today and why we have emotions and what the purpose is and what we've got to be on guard against concerning our emotions. Uh, Before I get started on this lesson today, I want to share a little story with you. A man walked into his psychiatrist's office for his regular appointment in dealing with stress. The psychiatrist began by asking him the question, how do you feel today? The man replied, not too good, doctor. Sometimes I feel like a teepee and sometimes I feel like a wigwam. The doctor replied, I see the problem. You are too tense. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm giving it a minute to soak in. I know that's corny, but man, it just serves as an excellent intro into our lesson and our time together today. You know, in the secular world of counseling and therapy, the most important thing seems to be the the person's sense of well-being and how they're feeling. In fact, the most common phrase used in, in the secular arena of mental health very well may be, how does that make you feel? I want to make it clear, emotions are important. But your emotions were never meant to be the focus of your life, nor are they to determine how you're to live or how you should respond to life's issues. 
So let's get into our lesson today. My, my first truth I want to point out, I want to show you from God's word. Truth number one, our emotions are God-given. God gave us our emotions. In fact, it's recorded in the very first book in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 27. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You see, we're created in God's image, which for the most part means that we've got an eternal aspect about us. We've got an eternal soul. There's a part of us, and it's the and it's who you really are, the soul of who you are. That's the part of you that's going to last forever. Now, we know that God is eternal. He always has been, always will be. He's without beginning and without end. And so when God created mankind, God placed within us that attribute, that element that is like God in that we are eternal in our souls. You're going to spend forever somewhere. Everybody's going to live forever somewhere, either in a place called heaven or in a place called hell. And I am convinced and the clear teaching of the word of God is the thing that's going to determine or rather the person that's going to determine where you spend forever is a man by the name of Jesus Christ, who is 100 percent God, yet 100 percent man who died on the cross for you, rose again the third day. You've got to put your faith and your trust in him. Romans chapter 10 is a good chapter to study verses eight and nine about how you can come into God's family and be saved and know that you're going to spend forever with the Lord in that place called heaven. But we've all got an eternal soul as humankind that's going to live forever. And so we're created in God's image. But many times in the Bible, when I read about the attributes of God and the way that God responds to things that are are happening in our world, I see that God is also an emotional being. In fact, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 6, when God looked at the world in Noah's day and determined that it had all gone astray, it was all wicked except for Noah and his family, the Bible says in Genesis 6 verse 6 that God experienced sorrow. In Psalm 30 verse 5, it says that God experiences anger. Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17, God experiences joy. I love John three sixteen for God so what? He loved, didn't he? He loved. And the list goes on. Emotions are God-given, and they're also attributes of our Heavenly Father. In understanding this truth, we realize that emotions, emotions in themselves are not, are not evil. They're not bad, nor are they good. I shared with our life group this week, it's kind of like the internet. It can be used for good or used for bad, but really emotions are God-given and they're neutral. They become bad and sinful when we allow them to function in our lives in a manner in which they were never intended to function. So why did God give us emotions? Well, not only are emotions God-given, but truth number two, I want you to think about this. Emotions are messengers. They're messengers. You know, we've got to understand that emotions are not, even though they're messengers, they're not truth communicators. That is not and cannot be their function in our lives. I mean, mankind's fall into sin. Read about that in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve failed, disobeyed God, and sin entered the human race like a disease that runs throughout every single one of us as descendants from, from Adam and Eve. Sin has affected everything, everything around us, even creation itself. It has affected our emotions where we can't totally trust our emotions and what our emotions may be trying to communicate to us. Our emotions are not trustworthy as a source for truth. So just because you feel a certain way doesn't necessarily mean that that's true. You know, most people live according 
to an unspoken assumption that if they feel a certain way, then it must be true. For example, if I feel unloved and unwanted, then I must be unloved and unwanted. If I feel like everybody has abandoned me, then I must be all alone. Many people live life simply doing whatever their emotions are telling them to do. You think about depression, for example. A depressed person ultimately doesn't want to do anything. Why? Because a depressed person doesn't feel like doing anything. For the angry person, this is presented by allowing that emotion to well up in them and they begin to lash out and they begin to yell or they act out in their anger. Think about your emotions as being a messengers, as being messengers in your life, not to dictate to you truth or how you should live, but messengers. So what are emotions seeking to communicate? Well, emotions tell us that I have some heart issues going on. And when I use the term heart, I'm including your thought processes and your belief system. If I'm fearful, then, then I'm reminded I must not be focused on God's presence in my life. If I'm experiencing fear, I need to ask myself, what is this emotion of fear trying to communicate to me? Well, obviously, if I'm afraid, and the Bible says God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but a sound mind. If I'm experiencing fear, it didn't come from God. And so I must not be focused on God the way that I ought to be focused on God. If I'm experiencing loneliness, what do I need to do? I need to draw close to God because he's always with me. If anger begins to rise up within me, I'm reminded in my heart as I consider that emotion of anger and ask myself, what is this anger trying to communicate to me? Well, many times it just reminds me this world is not fair. I mean, sin is real. The battle is real that rages around us. I need to redirect my focus to God, who I put my faith and my trust in, and know that even though things are happening around me that I don't understand, all things are working out for my good. That's according to God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, one of my favorite promises in the Word of God, all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. Now, I can trust God on that. So even the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, God's working it together for my good. You know, maybe I'm feeling like a failure. Well, that emotion could remind me that I can't do anything on my own. I mean, I am totally dependent upon God. You see, your emotions reveal to you something that's going on deep within you, and they ought to motivate you to turn your attention and your focus and your heart back towards God. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. According to that passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, God desires to lift us up. He desires to exalt us out of our emotional turmoil. But I've got a responsibility in this process. And what's my responsibility? Well, my emotions as messengers ought to motivate me towards godly change. Turning my attention back to God, coming back to the promises of God and reminding myself what God tells me in his blessed word. You know, in recovery, often we experience emotions of regret and shame. We look back over our past behavior and we even experience guilt. And those emotions should motivate us to make different choices in life. So I don't repeat my past mistakes. 
And so emotions are God-given. God gave them to us. God created us to be emotional beings. But emotions should never control us or dictate to us how we're supposed to live our lives. Number two, my emotions are messengers. And so when I begin to feel those emotions, I need to ask myself, what is this emotion communicating to me about? What's going on in my heart? What's going on in my mind? And truth number three, I want you to think about this. Emotions can help us. They can help us. Emotions don't have to be a negative. They don't have to be a bad thing in our lives. Since they're God-given, emotions really are, are good things that we experience. Emotions can help us to enjoy God. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 16, verses 8 and 9, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. And my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. I like that. I believe we get in the presence of the Lord in worship, whether it's in your private worship time or in corporate worship as you plug into a local Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. I believe there ought to be emotions. I believe uh, emotions ought to well up in us as we praise the Lord and as we connect to God our Father. In Psalm 16, the writer expresses his worship to God. He's trusting in God. Which, by the way, when I put my trust in God, that's going to deal with fear. That's going to deal with anxiety. That's going to deal with the emotion of worry. The psalmist writes in Psalm 16, he says, my heart is glad. He's rejoicing. Rejoicing, uh, that drives away sadness. That drives away depression. Complacency. Worship should include our heartfelt emotions unto God. Emotions are part of who you are. And a result, really, of how you think and the way that you're living. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But truth number four, emotions can be managed. Now, here's the good news. Because even those uh, emotions have been given to me by God, they're given by God to be messengers in my life, not to control me in my life. And even though in themselves emotions aren't bad things and they're not good things, it depends on what I allow them to do in my heart and in my mind and in my life, I can manage my emotions. Now, how can you manage how you feel to bring glory to God? Many times during our life meetings on Tuesday night, I'll put on the, the whiteboard or on a big pad of paper up, up on the easel a target with a bullseye in the middle. And I remind our students what we're supposed to be aiming for in our lives. You know, what is the number one thing in your life? If I was to ask you a question, what do you want out of life more than anything else? Your answer to that question is going to tell me what your bullseye is. For a lot of people, in fact, I dare say most people, their honest answer would be, well, I just want to be happy. And so everything they do in life is geared towards what they think is going to make them happy. For some people, they're bullseye is success. I want to make a lot of money. I want to climb the corporate ladder. I want people to respect me. I want to be well known. I want to have a lot of money. I want to be wealthy. You know, whatever it is that you're living for, that becomes the bullseye in your life. Now, God created us and he created us with what should be our aim and our focus, our bullseye, if you would. You find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 where it says, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. God created me to bring honor and glory to God. As a born-again believer with the power of the Holy Spirit within me, my body is the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and with the truth 
of the word of God and the truth will set me free. When I apply the truth and the power of the Holy Spirit to my life, I'm able to bring honor and glory to God in the way that I think, in the way that I speak, in the way that I live my life. I can manage my emotions and my emotions can be directed towards hitting that bullseye to bring honor and glory to God when I walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and I apply the life-changing word of God. I use the acrostic feel, F-E-E-L, to kind of remind me how I can manage my emotions. The F in, in feel, in my mind, represents freely acknowledging and surrendering my emotions to God. You know, that's where it's got to start. You got to be willing to surrender, freely acknowledge and surrender whatever you're experiencing as far as your emotions are concerned to God. A lot of times as Christians, we feel like, you know, if I'm experiencing depression or I'm experiencing guilt or shame or sorrow, sadness, uh, whatever the seemingly negative emotion may be, that I don't want to admit it. I don't want to admit it to myself. I don't want to admit it to God. I certainly don't want to admit it to anybody around me because I feel like as a Christian, I ought not to be experiencing those emotions. But the first step in getting a handle on the way that I feel is freely acknowledging this is how it is. This is what's going on. This is the reality of things. This is what I'm dealing with right now. And so uh, F in feel, freely acknowledge and surrender your emotions to God. Now, the first E in feel, examine what your emotions are telling you. And I just talked about the fact that emotions are given to us by God to be messengers. So examine what those emotions are telling you. They'll reveal something about what's going on in your heart, where your mind focus, where your thoughts are at that moment you're experiencing that emotion. The second E in feel, evaluate the changes you need to make. So when the emotion wells up within you, freely acknowledge, you know, admit, confess, I'm feeling this way. I'm dealing with this emotion. And then ask yourself, what is this emotion telling me? What's it revealing about what's going on in my heart? And then I need to ask myself, I need to evaluate, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to change right now in my life where I do not allow this emotion to control me, but I get redirected towards God and the L in feel, F-E-E-L, the L stands for look to God as you apply biblical truth. I've got to walk in the truth of God. I've got to freely acknowledge what I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing. I need to examine what my emotions are telling me. I need to evaluate what it is I need to do, what changes I need to make right now that I'm not pulled away from God and bringing glory to him, but I want to bring him honor. And then I need to look to God, look to God as I apply biblical truth to my life. You see, we ought to be open and honest to God because God already knows what we're dealing with. God already knows your struggle. God already knows your problems and he's able to handle them. We can manage our emotions and our feelings. I want to share with you a passage in Matthew chapter 26, and this is the account where Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. In fact, this was just very shortly before. Uh, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be falsely tried. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be crucified. And in Matthew 26, the Bible says in verse 36, then Jesus came with them. It's talking about his disciples. He came with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And Jesus took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Now let me pause right there and say, you know, we talked about accountability in the last episode, in the last lesson, how we need one another. 
And I see Jesus right here. He's getting ready to go to the cross, man. You want to talk about stress? You want to talk about depression? You want to talk about anxiety? Jesus knew what was getting ready to happen. He was getting ready to go to the cross and he knew what that meant. And so he's under intense anxiety. All these emotions that are welling up in him. And the first thing we see him do is he takes friends with him. He takes, he calls on his friends, Peter, James, and John, and he takes them along with him. And so you need to reach out to others. You need accountability. You need folks that you know will not only pray for you, but you need people that you know will pray with you. I'm talking about people in your life that God's placed there that you can call on and you can say, look, you know, can I meet you? I just need, I just need somebody to talk to. I just need somebody to pray with me and somebody will get down on their knees with you and put their hand on your shoulder and just, uh, and just lay hands on you and pray for you, pray you through the storm or pray you through the emotional turmoil that you might be dealing with. Jesus gives this, us the example right here. And Jesus was 100% God, yet he was 100% man. And so he called on his friends. Verse 38, it goes on and it says, Then Jesus said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. And so we see our Lord right here confessing. He's admitting, you know, it is what it is. I'm dealing with depression right here. I'm dealing with extreme sorrow right here. I have anxiety and stress is, is weighing down upon me. And this is Jesus, God in human flesh. And so he admits it and he confesses it. You know, it does no good to deny your emotions and your feelings. I mean, it is what it is. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Say, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with this thing. Here it is. Maybe it shouldn't be happening this way in my life as a believer, uh, but I'm going to be open about it. I'm going to be honest about it. You know, in the book of James, there's a verse that says, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. There's power in confession. And Jesus gives the, us the example right here. He calls on his friends to help him in the midst of this in, intense emotional turmoil that he's dealing with as he gets ready to go to the cross. He's truthful. He confesses his emotions for what they are. And then the Bible says he went a little further, fell on his face, and he prayed saying, oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the, his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray. Listen, if you mark your Bible, that's a, that's a good three words right there to underline or mark. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. You want to continue walking this new life that God's given you on this road to recovery? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. You know, I can't stress that enough. That's what Jesus told his disciples to do. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time. He say, And he prays the same words. Uh, the same thing he had prayed the two times before. Father, if there be any way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. You know what was in that cup? Jesus knew the sin of the world was in that cup. He was sinless. He was spotless. He was without shame, without guilt. No penalty did he deserve. But he looked at that cup, which contained all the sin of all the world. And he knew that cup was going to be poured out upon him as a man facing 
that kind of experience, Jesus cried out in his emotions to the Father, and he said, Lord, I'd rather not. I I don't want to do this. In my flesh, I don't feel like I want to go to the cross and bear the sins of the world. And yet he didn't allow his emotions to control him. We know Jesus went to the cross anyway. And so what's the point there? We're in this whole text right here. Jesus, in emotional turmoil, he calls godly friends to be by his side. He admits how he's feeling. I'm extremely depressed. I'm I'm brokenhearted with sadness about what's up ahead. But the third truth is he did not allow his emotions to control him. He did what was God-honoring regardless of how he felt. Now, there's a real challenge to you and I to do what God desires for us to do regardless of how we may feel. You can do it. In the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do it. Now, maybe the problem is in your life, you've just had things on cruise control. Maybe you've just been trying to do life your own way in your own power. And it's one struggle after another struggle. You're constantly being pulled back into the old life, into the old patterns, because you're struggling to stay focused on the Lord and to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. My friend, listen, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Draw close to God the Father. Keep your heart in the Word of God. Make sure you surround yourself with godly friends. A Bible-believing, Bible-focused church, brothers and sisters in Christ, that will help you on this journey. Have people you can call on that you can be open with and honest with. Look, man, you know, I just need to, I need to confess to you. I'm experiencing this. I've got this depression going on. I've got this fear going on. Extreme sadness going on, whatever it is. There's power in confession. Confess to one another your trespasses, the things you're struggling with. Have those friends around you, not just to pray for you, but to pray with you. And then be determined as you look to God the Father. Lord, I don't care how I feel. I'm going to strive to bring honor and glory to you. I'm going to aim for that bullseye to bring glory to God no matter what. But my friend, you got to watch and pray. You know, I want to encourage you today based on biblical truth that you can overcome the struggles that you deal with emotionally. And when I think about recovery, man, we got to get a handle on our emotions because I know in the times that I'm discouraged and I'm depressed and I feel defeated, maybe I feel alone, maybe it's extreme sorrow or sadness I'm experiencing, maybe stress or anxiety. In those times, that's when the enemy is more apt to pull at my to pull at my heart and, and to want to draw me back into a life that I know is not God honoring, does not glorify him. And so I got to be diligent. I got to watch. I got to be on guard. See, I've got to watch and I've got to pray. I look to the father and ask God to help me. Help me, Lord. Get a handle on my emotions. Help me, Lord, to allow your truth to control me and to lead me and not my emotions. Many years ago, I came upon a track, the four spiritual laws. And in this little, I think it had a blue cover on it. Uh, in this track, there was a, a diagram of three cars on a train. So a three car train. And the little track began to explain how we've got to make sure we've got these three priorities in the right order in our lives if we're going to live the life that God wants us to live. Now, when I think about that, I think about the verse that our life ministry is based upon. It's John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus is speaking and he says, I came to give life and to give it more abundantly. And so when I use this train illustration, I usually call this train the train to abundant life. But I've got to make sure as a believer, as a Christian, I've got these three cars in the right order. And the engine on the train is called facts, facts. 
And that's just another way to refer to the truth of the word of God. And so the engine on the train out front, giving me power, giving me direction, has got to be the truth of the word of God, the facts. The second car on this train, I call faith. And the Bible says, without works, your faith is dead. And so when I think about faith, I think about the way that I live my life, the way uh, my behavior, the way I live out my faith in my life. And so I've got the truth, the facts of the word of God. That's the engine. I hook up my life, my faith to the truth of God through which Jesus Christ is revealed to me. And then the last, the third and last car on this three car train is called feelings. So you've got facts, the truth of the word of God. You've got faith. That's the way you live your life. And then the caboose is feelings. You know, most of the time when I counsel people going through emotional turmoil, most of the time they've got that caboose way out in front of the engine. So instead of allowing the truth of the word of God, the facts, according to what God says, to lead them and control them, they're allowing their feelings to lead them and control them. What am I saying today as I wrap up this episode? I'm saying that you cannot trust your emotions. Thank God for them. Use them in a positive way to redirect your heart towards God and to live a righteous life before him. But you've got to allow the truth of the word of God to be the motivating factor. Make sure the word of God, his truth, is the engine on your train. That that truth, the facts of the Bible, determine how you're going to live, how you're going to act, how you're going to speak, how you're going to think. Let me pray with you today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you for creating us, Lord, in your image Thank you for reminding us today that, Lord, we know there's an eternal part of us, the eternal soul that's going to live forever. And I pray that everyone who's listening to this episode today, I pray they've already already settled things with you. I pray they've already opened their heart and asked Jesus Christ to come in. Lord, if they haven't, I pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit would convict them right now. I pray right where they are, if they would just open their heart to you and, Lord, just cry out to you, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I have made a mess of my life. But right now, I'm putting my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I thank you for your grace. I know none of us deserve your salvation. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit who dwells within us as believers, that we can overcome any struggle that we face, including our emotions. Lord, help us to make sure in this journey of life that we keep your word, your truth out in front. And regardless of how we feel, and many times, Lord, I know we're going to have to go against how we feel to bring honor and glory to you. I pray you'd give us the strength, give us the discernment, give us the wisdom we need, Lord, to live that out. And we give you all the praise and all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed this week. Pray for me as I pray for you. Continue on this road of recovery. If you're anywhere near Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, come check us out on Tuesday night beginning at 6.30 in our life meeting. In the meantime, stay focused on the Lord. He loves you. His grace covers you. And guess what? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Be blessed. I'll talk to you again soon.